we handed out a Bitcoin book to every congressman and congresswoman and senator in Washington, D.C. So that was that was a pretty exciting event. And, and then also had some conversations with, with staffers and with representatives about Bitcoin mining. We haven't touched on it much, but you know, it has the opportunity to clean up the environment. Certainly, if you're thinking of Bitcoin mining off-grid on capturing methane, you know, at a, at a landfill or at an oil well flare and providing, providing jobs, especially, you know, in rural revitalization, which we can touch on in a moment, you know, providing industry back to communities that, that, um, lost it, or maybe, you know, don't act, don't currently have it. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor-based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them. As again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Justin Orkney, welcome to the What Is Money show. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Glad to have you here. Um, just by way of quick introduction, you are the commercial director at Standard Power, which is an infrastructure as a service company that focuses on Bitcoin mining. And you're also a senior advisor at Satoshi Energy. Uh, another company that focuses on Bitcoin mining software. So I thought, you know, just telling you offline, we've only done a couple of episodes on the show focused on Bitcoin mining. Uh, and it's a it's an area that a lot of people don't understand well. So I figured we'd kind of walk through some of the nature of Bitcoin mining and how it impacts power grids and whatnot. Uh, but to start, I think it'd be useful for my audience who may not know you, to get to know you a little bit. So maybe you could tell us about who you are, uh, what your path into Bitcoin was, how you discovered Bitcoin, and then how you got involved with Bitcoin mining. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and then just uh, for correction, it's a senior advisor to Satoshi Action Fund, uh, oh, which is a, my a policy, a nonprofit. So yeah, <laughs> uh, Satoshi Energy is, a, is an actual company, so probably important to make that clarification. Um, that's but, Dennis, uh, Dennis I, Porter's uh, policy fund, right? He's correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. My mistake. And we can we can uh, touch on that as well. So so I discovered Bitcoin personally uh, in in late 2020, and um, outside of my role with the electric utility, but uh, at the time I was also working with one of the largest electric utilities in the country, focused on uh, demand response and grid integration of of new technologies onto the grid and, and new 
generation types such as wind and solar. Um, so then a few months after kind of starting to explore Bitcoin for my own personal reasons, uh, became aware of, of Bitcoin mining, um, as this, in this unique industry on the grid. And so within my day job at the, at the electric utility started focused, started focusing on, uh, the characteristics of Bitcoin mining and its opportunity to respond to the grid. Uh, and needs on the system and, and ways that were very unique, uh, especially compared to the other technologies I was already looking at, such as, uh, smart thermostats or EV car chargers, batteries. And so started to, started to get really excited about the opportunity that Bitcoin mining, um, represented as a, as a technology, as an industry in, in addressing the issues that we were, we were looking to solve by uh, managing customer load and and helping to balance the grid. And so for the last uh, two and a half years, while I was still within the electric utility, um, really was working towards uh, providing a strategic roadmap for for the integration of this in industry that I saw as as only growing and um, and thinking of ways strategically to integrate it onto the system that that everyone would would benefit from uh and so then uh, last november is when i made the transition uh from the electric utility and then i joined stanford or uh, standard power uh earlier this year as commercial director and so that's been my pathway once i saw bitcoin mining it was hard to hard to look away especially given my my background in the utility industry and so I've been I've been focused on it ever since, and I'm really excited to be a part of, of Standard Power now, and kind of fully immersed within the within the industry. That's cool. Yeah, I, I love to see people that kind of get into Bitcoin. Usually, we got some kind of fiat job, right? And then you Bitcoin consumes your mind, and then eventually, a lot of people start making the migration from their fiat job to some type of Bitcoin job which um you see people in all different types of industry finding a way to integrate bitcoin and educate people about bitcoin it's one of those amazing things like it bitcoin just sort of turns you into an evangelist for it which seems like a, a really significant feature of this software um so what tell me a little bit about standard power like what what is the company? You said infrastructure as a service company. So what is Standard Power? What do you guys do? Yeah, so Standard Power Infrastructure as a Service Company. So we are developing uh, large-scale mining campuses uh, right now in Ohio. Uh, we have a 1.2 gigawatt facility that is being built out uh, next to a, a coal plant that's being demolished. It was decommissioned a few years ago, and it's now being demolished. In fact, the, the final two stacks are being, um, blown up, you know, blown up, uh, later this week. So, uh, we're, we're taking over the, the interconnection point of this coal plant and developing out land adjacent to it. And that, that will provide the opportunity for other mining companies to, to have access to the grid and, and you essentially use our, our infrastructure to operate their mining facilities and, and execute on their business models. And so, so we develop, we develop the campus, we provide the, the capacity, uh, for, for other mining companies to, to set up shop and, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's standard power as a, as a, as an infrastructure, the service company, we also are fully integrated into the grid. So we provide the opportunity for these mining companies to, to perform uh, demand response and, and provide other ancillary services back to the grid. And so making sure that, that, that tech stack, that software capability is, is in place for our mining clients to, to take advantage of and, and execute on. What does demand response mean for people that might not know that term? Yeah. So when I use the term demand response, uh, in general, it means that, uh, a customer load on the grid is, 
responding to um, the needs of the of the larger electric system. And so, you know, uh, generally, a, a simple way to think of it is if there's if, if everyone's using electricity at the same time, hmm. and and the grid is is reaching its capacity to provide electric service to all customers, then you would start to look for particular customers to um, respond with their demand by turning off is a mm. CEO. So, so maybe to simplify that even more, demand response means that if a, you know, if a, a system, an electric grid asks a customer to shut down, they shut down. Yeah. So. Okay. Simple enough. Um, so what is it, you mentioned this earlier too, that Bitcoin mining, as you discovered Bitcoin, you quickly realized it has these unique characteristics uh, in the way that it interacts with power grids. Um, what is it that is unique about Bitcoin mining that allows it to do that? And I guess one of the main benefits is that it brings some load balancing to power grids. So is it, is it optimizing demand response in some way or another? Yeah, yeah. I, I describe it in in um, kind of three ways that make it fairly unique to to the grid as a as a customer. Uh, I, I I would I would say that it's it's uh, location agnostic. So for the most part, uh, as an as a heavy industry, uh, it can it can locate any particular place. So it doesn't require a lot of other uh, infrastructure as an industry that um that other industries would require um it, essentially it's just computers that are that are running the sha 256 mm. bitcoin hashing algorithm and so it's location agnostic uh, i'd say it's scale agnostic so it could be any particular size you know you could have 10 computers 10 bitcoin miners you could have ten thousand. Bitcoin miners. So, uh, when you start to think about it strategically, you're not, you're not limited to one particular size of Bitcoin miner mm. operation. It could be, it could be flexible in that regard. Um, and then, and then most importantly, I think what really caught my attention is that it's time agnostic for the most part. Mm. So meaning that as a customer, it could, it can shut off at any particular time of the year and and then stay off for any amount of time and so when you start to imagine um other types of customers that you would be looking for to perform in demand response you know uh it most other customer well no no other customer type that i'm aware of is that flexible and being able to shut off uh whether it's in the a cold morning in January, or it's in a late afternoon in July, hmm. or any any other hour of the year, to Bitcoin miners, it's it's really doesn't make a difference. Hmm. Uh, but you know, with other types of customers, it can make a very big difference. You know, maybe they're not even able to shut off in the winter versus the summer, or you know, maybe more importantly, they're only going to want to be shut off. You can imagine with your thermostat that's keeping your house cool or warm, you're probably not going to want it to be adjusted very much at all. Uh, you know, more than a, an hour or two. Uh, other other industries are the same, where a customer may be willing to have their demand their demand curtailed for a couple hours, but they're not going to want it curtailed for much more than that. Certainly not a matter of days. And so Bitcoin mining provides the opportunity to, to curtail the demand and then have it stay offline, especially with some of these longer duration storms that we're seeing, you know, heat waves that last, that last a week or winter storms that can last a week or at least a weekend. Um, Bitcoin mining provides the opportunity to, to shut down essentially indefinitely while other other customer technologies, you really can't expect that of them. They're not able to perform in that way, and so that's what that's what caught my attention with Bitcoin mining that it's um, that it's so flexible in that regard. 
and it is very unique as a as an, a, a customer on the electric grid. Yeah, even other even other data centers. Sorry, just you know, either even other data centers, um, which people would normally consider like an Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook. You know, they, they're almost the opposite. They they don't want to be shut down ever. Um, you know, or you could imagine a hospital. You can't. You know, a hospital is not going to want to, or even even retail shops, um, any type of other customer. They're very limited in how much you can ask of them in terms of responding to grid needs. Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. So it seems like a lot of this is rooted in Bitcoin being a digital commodity versus a physical commodity, right? So location agnosticism, as you said, other commodities that are physical, you can't just they're, they're connected to a lot of local infrastructure, so they need to be in a particular place at a particular time, operating at particular times. But since Bitcoin is just converting electricity into a digital commodity, you can kind of put it anywhere, right? It doesn't matter as long as you're connected to power, essentially, and I guess internet, uh, at least at some point. And then you get the scale agnosticism because you can, whatever, you can mine Bitcoin in your basement at home, or you can mine Bitcoin in a giant data center. So you can accept customers of, you know, widely different sizes. And then the time agnosticism is that you can sell power to the Bitcoin network at any time, right? It's always there 24 by seven to buy the power. It's not like Bitcoin takes a holiday or anything like that. Um, so I could see that's interesting. It makes it just by virtue of being a digital commodity, makes it super flexible uh, in a way that no other industry is. So that seems like a match made in heaven for a a power grid that has a lot of fluctuation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another maybe another way to put it would be there's no there's no counterparty on the other side of a Bitcoin miner. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no customer that's going to have service interrupted. Uh, aside from the the Bitcoin miner, and you know, Bitcoin miners just as you as you said, uh, creating that digital commodity, they're they're not providing a service to another customer that that right. would be would be frustrated by that Bitcoin miner going down. And the nature of Bitcoin mining is that uh, we call it hashing when they're when it's performing these these this hashing, uh, it's doing. You could, essentially, you can say it's, it's guessing at a number, and it's performing trillions of guesses a second. Uh huh. And then once that once that guess is made, it's done. So it's it's completed. And so there's really no process. There's no larger process interruption. Uh-huh. You know, for example, if you thought of a steel plant, there's a there's a very large, um, long process from where you know the input mm-hmm. of a steel plant to when you get the output of the finished steel. Yeah. And so if you if you interrupt that, you can do it for a certain amount of time, but if you do it for too long, you mess up the whole process. And right. they would they would lose but with Bitcoin mining every second, trillions of processes are are started and completed, you know, instantaneously. And so if you interrupt it, you're not losing any you're not losing anything. Yeah, that makes sense too. So it's a super simple commodity manufacturing. I don't know if we say manufacturing, commodity creation process, right? You're just turning units of electricity or watts into hashes, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Whereas in a steel manufacturing operation, if you have a disruption at the beginning of the process, there's all these knock on cascading effects that could throw off the entire uh, steelmaking process. So that's a it's a much more roundabout or complicated customer than the customer that just wants to buy your electricity and turn it into a hash, and that's the whole process. So Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. It looks like a mini iPhone, a little touchscreen and camera on it. Uh, The device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, Like I said, it's got a high-res 3-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air-gapping the wallet. Uh, It's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. 
And it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. There's a lot of different types of Bitcoin mining. Um, Maybe you could describe some of these air-cooled, water-cooled, immersion, containers, structural, etc. What what does this mean and what? how do we distinguish between the different types of Bitcoin mining operations? Yeah, so they're all they're all performing the same the same hashing function as you mentioned. Uh, but but uh, you know, I think when people think of Bitcoin mining, generally they're probably thinking of the air-cooled and and that's the the one where you, you, they're basically all just computers and they're about the size of a shoebox would be one Bitcoin miner, as you'd say. And, uh, with air cooled, they have fans, you know, a lot, probably a lot of people are familiar with the fans on their laptops or their computers. Uh, and so the fans are moving air through the computer to, to cool off the, the ASICs because, because aside from the digital commodity of Bitcoin that you have being generated when you're operating a Bitcoin miner. Um, the other outputs are heat and noise mm. with the air cooled. And so the, the noise is usually the fans moving the air through the Bitcoin miner and cooling, cooling off the chips because they are generating this heat when they operate just like a, just like someone's computer. Um, but, but you are seeing a lot of innovation in the space as well and that's where you start to get into these other types of bitcoin mining that uh, operate a little differently and and it's it's all it's all in a, the attempt to cool off the the asics and so with immersion um it's it's interesting to think about but you're actually dipping the bitcoin miner the computer into a bath of of mineral oil and that is is moving the heat away from the bitcoin miners um, you know, maybe a, a benefit to immersion cooling is that they operate much with much less noise. There's, there's the, the, there are no fans that are moving the air and creating the, the, the hum that people, if, if you hear people complain about Bitcoin miners being too loud, that's what they're, that's what they're talking about. So immersion, immersion moves the heat away from the miners because they're actually submersed in this mineral fluid that, that, um, carries the heat away there's a current to the uh a flow uh, a liquid current mm. a flow to the to the immersion fluid that moves the heat away from the miners and then um you know there's generally a cooling tower associated with that to transfer the heat out of the fluid and and cool it off so it can go through the loop again and so it's just always recycled and flowing gotcha. flowing through the miners um Hydrocooled is is another uh, innovative type of mining that um, uses water. Uh, there and there's been hydrocooled computers uh, before as well, where um, the chips actually have um, have are they, they they have like water pads on them, and there's tubing, and so water the, the computer itself isn't submersed into water because then that would that would not make it that would that would short out that would be a problem um mm-hmm. but it but it, it uses water to carry the heat away um and and then there's you know a cooling tower also with those as well so so you are seeing um you know and, and a miner may have a preference on on what type of of mining operation they want to to run um I think I think it's fair to imagine you know air cooled is generally the the simpler uh it, there's less involved but um there might be reason prefer an immersion you know you can get uh maybe higher higher efficiencies mm-hmm. of the computer through immersion uh because of the mineral oil or or through hydro cooled the you're able to carry more heat away with the with the liquids than than just with regular air and so you're able to you're able to operate the same machine maybe at a at a at a higher rate 
than you would be with the air cooled. So, you know, I think in general, just there's a lot of innovation in the space and, um, you know, usually if, especially if noise is a big concern, then you're probably going to want to focus on, uh, you know, on, on immersion or hydro cooled because they operate much, much more quietly. That's right. There, there's trade, there's trade-offs between, between all of them. Is there one form of mining that's especially efficient relative to the others in terms of like actually converting watts into hashes or do they all, is it all sort of contingent on the individual setup? Uh, I think, I think it's probably fair to say that, uh, especially if you're looking at it on a per, yeah, a per watt per miner basis, you're going to, you would say that immersion or hydro cooled is, is more efficient. You're getting more, you're getting more hashes per watt of energy because you're able to operate them at a higher, the same, the same chip, you're able to operate it at a higher, at a higher rate. Uh, and so, uh, but again, there's trade-offs. You have other, you know, there's other things to consider aside from just from efficiency, I'd, mm. I'd say. Gotcha. So do you, is there any one of these that is especially becoming uh, predominant or are they all they're all popping up. Like there's all types of operations popping up. Whereas one growing faster than the others. Like I, I, uh, well, I think another way yeah. to say that in 20 years, would you expect to see a lot more water cooled or immersion versus air cooled or something like that? Well, there's certainly a conversation. I don't necessarily have an opinion on that, but there's those in the industry, certainly the ones that are either choosing to do immersion or do hydro cooled probably have an opinion that in the future, most operations would be that um historically it's been the air cooled and i'd say that's probably still predominantly um the type of mining that's taking place on the system just because it's the most most straightforward you don't have to deal with all the all the fluid maintenance and yeah. and all the all the pumps and complexities in that regard but um yeah, in the future, who knows? I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to continue to see a lot of innovation in the space, and and you know even different form factors, perhaps other than just the 3.5 kilowatt computer that you see today that we we consider one Bitcoin miner. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the space looks like in in uh, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it certainly will. Um, Okay, so another thing that you do, I think you do this at Satoshi Action Fund, is you actually talk to policymakers about Bitcoin mining. And I would imagine you have to curate that message somewhat as you're explaining it to them versus explaining this to uh, customers, for instance. What are, the, what are the areas of Bitcoin mining that you focus on when you're trying to explain this in an understandable way to policymakers. Yeah. So, so Satoshi Action Fund is actually doing really, really great work on, on educating policymakers. Um, there was a, a really interesting event that happened, I think back in, um, early June, we, we handed out a Bitcoin book to every congressman, congresswoman and senator in Washington, DC. So that was, that was a pretty exciting event. And, and then also had some conversations with, with staffers and with representatives about Bitcoin mining. Uh, generally though, Satoshi Action Fund is focused on state level advocacy and engaging with, uh, state legislators and, and regulators to, to really, uh, consider proactive Bitcoin mining policy at the state level. So, so you're right. When we're talking to a policymaker, we, we do, uh, you know, we have some general messages, uh, Bitcoin mining being good for the grid. You know, most people in general, when they think of Bitcoin mining, if they have an opinion of, of it, they might, they might, uh, think that it uses too much electricity or that it's, that it's, uh, stressing the grid or, or, or having ne negative, uh, impacts to the grid or to the environment. And so. We, we like to start off by just really simply saying that that's, that's not necessarily the case that Bitcoin mining has the opportunity to provide these balancing services to the grid and make the grid more reliable. Um, we, we haven't touched on it much 
but you know, it has the opportunity to clean up the environment. Certainly if you're thinking of Bitcoin mining off grid on capturing methane, you know, at a, at a landfill or at an oil well flare, uh, and providing, providing jobs, especially you know, in rural revitalization, which we can touch on in a moment, you know, providing industry back to communities that, that, um, lost it, or maybe, you know, don't act, don't currently have it. And so we, those, you know, we definitely like to focus on those high level concepts of, of Bitcoin mining and the positive attributes that it brings to, to states and communities and grids. Got it. Got it. And then when you're talking to say electric utility operators, how do you curate the message of Bitcoin mining for them instead? Is it more of just like a money or profit driven conversation, how they can increase uh, revenue on existing power assets or, or what, what do you focus on when describing Bitcoin mining to them? Um, well, I think we're really focusing in a similar way on understanding the challenges that they are facing because util electric utilities and grid operators are facing challenges uh, today that they haven't, you know, that are new to the system, um, especially when you consider the integration of, of all the new wind and solar generation that's been put on the system in the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years. So they are, they are facing new challenges. You know, that's why I, that was my role at the utility was mm. uh, thinking of ways to address these challenges with new customer programs, new rate designs to provide uh, flexibility to customer usage. And so um, I think that's that's really one of the one of the top line aspects is, you know, there is this opportunity with this industry to to help address the challenges that that you're dealing with as a as an electric utility operator and starting there you know but certainly uh, part of that conversation can be that um you know this this is also a customer you know with with this solution to the challenges you're facing on the grid also comes a paying customer hmm. that that um may be unique to other engineering solutions that you're considering where those those might cost money to implement, you know, this, this solution comes with a paying customer, which, which could also be unique and kind of gets to that, that bottom line revenue perspective. You know, every, every utility generally is, is, is interested in gaining customers and, and selling more. It's just right now they're, they, um, often find themselves in a, in a challenging situation because they're dealing with these other, these other issues on the system that can be in conflict sometimes with just adding new customers. So it's, it can be a delicate conversation. Got it. So yeah, instead of just adding a new cost center, you can actually add a new customer and solve problems at the same time. So I assume that makes Bitcoin unique, yeah. uniquely positioned in that regard. Um, okay. You touched on this earlier, but this whole concept of Bitcoin mining as being a unique industry that supports rural revitalization uh and this is you know in the u.s over the last 50 years a lot of people would argue this is a post-1971 issue that we've seen this evisceration of the u.s industrial base uh which has disproportionately affected rural areas um how what is it about bitcoin mining that makes it unique in its ability to support rural revitalization yeah, well, I think, you know, we touched on it earlier, the fact that as an industry or as a technology, it's location agnostic mm -hmm. and, and even the, even the internet access that it needs is, is fairly low bandwidth. So, um, as, as we mentioned before, it truly can go anywhere. And so it's also always, it's also, um, able to take advantage of infrastructure that's been it's been abandoned, you know, from maybe the the heavy industry that used mm -hmm. to be in rural America, and as you as you discussed, uh, has since migrated elsewhere or just ended uh, for some for one reason or another. Yeah. And so, Bitcoin mining, you know, you, you it, it's always interested in in finding that stranded energy, but then also finding stranded capacity or abandoned capacity, and so you see a lot of that out in rural America, and 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 so Bitcoin mining able to go out there 
And for example, our, 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 one of our first project in Ohio was a shuttered paper mill. So the paper mill was no longer operational, but the, the, the connection to the grid was there. The, you could say the, the capacity was there. And so we went in, remediated the paper mill, um, and, you know, basically created a clean space for the Bitcoin mining operation to, to, uh, to go in. And that was, that was a community that the paper mill was their, their industry was, you know, that provided jobs, the community that's, that's usually why a community is out there is because there was, there was this industry at one point and, um, you know, Bitcoin mining is able to, to go out and, and when it does, it provides tax base to the, to the local community. Um, and then depending on its size provides jobs, um, to the local community, you know, these, these larger operations, there are teams that you need to, to manage the facilities and keep them operating efficiently and, you know, maximizing the uptime. And so you just really see, uh, you're starting to see uh, states really recognize that and get excited about that, and and as you said, welcome welcome this industry. And it's fair to think of Bitcoin mining as a as a heavy industry. Welcome this heavy industry back to to these rural communities, and um, it's it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, well, I I, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it was one of those towns where like a really big steel manufacturing town for a lot of years and then when i grew up there it was kind of in the wake of that the steel mill steel mill had left uh and you know it it hurt it hurt the local economy and it's it's interesting to see that there's a new opportunity for places like that with bitcoin mining to revitalize themselves um, and actually chattanooga had a bit of revitalization just through the internet um mm-hmm. they implemented like a gigabyte internet uh, citywide and it drew in a lot of startup businesses and things like that. So this seems like an extension of that, um, that you can take these existing operations and just re repurpose them for Bitcoin mining. Seems pretty exciting for rural America. Um, okay. We touched, we've touched a lot on the benefits of Bitcoin mining, but what are the specific benefits to different forms of power generation? When we look at like nuclear versus natural gas, wind, solar, et cetera. Are there specific benefits that Bitcoin mining is offering to these various forms of power generation? Yeah, yeah, and we we touched on this earlier, but but even when you look at specific types of generation, uh, Bitcoin mining as a technology uh, can can provide benefits that that are unique to that type of of generation. And so, for example, uh, on the grid um, with with natural gas, existing natural gas power plants um they're starting to be cycled uh turned uh, turned down and turned up a lot more than maybe they were in the past um and and some would say that they're able to do that but uh it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's good for them in uh in a long-term sense or or you know when they're when they're ramping up and they're ramping down generally in response to wind and solar generation they're generally not operating at their most efficient. You know, you could think of um, the impact to the gas mileage of your car if you're just driving on the freeway at 65 miles an hour versus going from 20 miles an hour to 75 mm-hmm. to 45. It really has an impact on your gas mileage. Right. For this, for the same miles driven, you're going to use more gas. And so, uh, Bitcoin mining. One opportunity would be to to locate it. Uh, in, in coordination with a natural gas facility so that the natural gas facility doesn't have to ramp up and down as much in, in response to the dynamics on the grid. The Bitcoin mining takes ramps up and down instead, and then the natural gas facility could uh, operate at more of that constant output, which would be beneficial for its um, long-term lifespan, its longevity, but then also just it would operate more efficiently. Mm. So, so that's one example. Um, similar with with nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is even less flexible as a generator, and so you're starting to see uh, situations where 
um again usually with the the influx of wind and solar on the system at particular times of the day or particular even particular seasons of the year you know for in the spring for example maybe uh nuclear facilities existing nuclear um really being um threat i threat might be too strong of word but in some cases it's not you know coming under threat they're either being forced to sell into negative priced mm. environment but it's, it's costing them money to to generate their electricity or or just the physics of the situation they're starting to have to consider you know shutting down the the nuclear um which you, you can't just shut nuclear down for an hour or a day you're usually talking about doing it for for a season you know you would oh, wow. you would turn it off turn it off in March and then maybe turn it back on in, in June. Um, so Bitcoin mining, again, you, you provide the load there to soak up the generation of, of the nuclear output when there might not be other, otherwise might not be customers there that need the electricity. And we were talking earlier, that's, that would be the situation of a buyer of, of last resort. Mm -hmm. Um, you're also seeing that uh, you can say you see that with with wind and solar developments right. as well, where they're generating electricity. The fuel source is free, but there's no real there's no off taker. There's no customer that needs the electricity at the time that the sun happens to be shining, or the wind happens to be blowing. And so, Bitcoin mining. If you have Bitcoin mining there, it's that buyer of last resort. So when no other customer needs the energy the Bitcoin miner can be there to take the energy, um, with, with new, with new types of generation, um, and maybe specifically nuclear, something that, um, you know, can be a buyer of first resort. And so as, as new power plants or new forms of electric generation are, are built, there might not be, again, there might not be customers to take it initially or not, not all of it, but Bitcoin mining can show up and be that buyer of first resort. And it, it generally can help the the project get off the ground, knowing, knowing that they're going to have a customer if they build that power plant, knowing that they're going to have a customer on day one to buy the energy, a flexible customer at that. So when other customers start to show up, you know, and then you heard for folks that are, that have heard of the conversation that would be the um the pioneer species concept mm -hmm. where right bitcoin, bitcoin mining on the on the front end of energy development is that first customer and then when other customers show up maybe bitcoin mining slowly disappears and, and goes yeah. somewhere else yeah that's yeah shout out to brandon quittum i think he wrote that that piece right. on bitcoin as a pioneer species which is it's a really good piece, actually. Um, sort of mirrors how, um, I guess, vegetation moves in nature often, right? There's like a pioneering species that kind of cultivates the soil, then other species come in behind it, and you get more biodiversity. Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting piece. Shout out to him for that. So the theme, like, I, I mean, correct me where I'm wrong here, but it seems like the theme I'm picking up is Bitcoin is Bitcoin mining is a persistent source of demand for power generators. And this insulates power supplies from the from fluctuations in demand, right? So whether this yep. is on rather this is whether this is on the front end or the back end, kind of first resort, last resort, it's giving power generators a lot more optionality in terms of getting an operation stood up or keeping an existing operation more efficient, more profitable, even decreasing their capital asset depreciation, right? When you don't have to ramp up and ramp down, that's actually putting more wear and tear on your assets, presumably. So you just get a, you get smoother operations basically. Um, yeah. You know, one other thing I'd like to say about, uh, nuclear as well is, um, you know, the electric utility that I was at, um, previously had, has the largest fleet or one of the largest nuclear fleets in the country as an electric grid. And when they initially built these this nuclear fleet out in the, you know, I think the first one was installed in the early seventies. And then the last one in the late eighties, they, in order to, in order to balance that output of the generator, they had to build out this massive industrial scale, uh, pumped hydro reservoir system. Mm -hmm. 
you know, created in the mountains basically to the balance, the output of the generator that, that the nuclear generator wants to stay constant for the most part with the, the variable customer load. And so, I mean, this, this, I, I've, I've seen the facility. It's, it's very, as an engineer, it's very interesting, very, um, you know, it's, it's tunneled in the mountains. It, and then when, when customers don't need the electricity, the output from the generator, it, it pumps water up, up the mountain into a reservoir. And then when, when customers do need electricity, it lets, you know, it lets the water flow back down. And so the, this, this pumped hydro infrastructure is like in the middle of a mountain. And so mm. you feel almost like you're walking into Dr. Evil's lair or something. It's just this massive, massive project that was, that was in, you know, built out at, with the nuclear. Yeah. And now with, with new nuclear, you could imagine you don't, you don't need to build out these massive and in other industrial projects. You can just allow a much so instead of thousands of acres of new of flooded mountains and reservoirs and tunnels and mountains you just have you know a few dozen acres of of bitcoin mining instead <laughs> that's a good so i think i think we're going to see that yeah exactly L- less dr evil layers thanks to bitcoin <laughs> that's a good one now i'd like to tell you about our sponsor wasabi wallet with wasabi wallet you can receive send and store bitcoin privately In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the -the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code breedlove okay we've touched on this a lot but i think we should focus on it here as we wrap up the current status of the u.s power grid um we mentioned you know peak times are a problem right so the depths of winter were hot afternoons in texas in july uh you know people are running their heaters or their air conditioners really hard and this is I guess contributed to blackouts and brownouts during peak times. Um, what? How is it that Bitcoin is becoming really, I, I guess, a necessity for if, for risk reduction in these areas, reducing the risk of brownouts and blackouts? How does that work? Yeah. So you know, I think you are starting to see grids coming under more strain. Um, that. For, for the last 10, 15 years, most of what's been added to the system in terms of power generation has been wind and solar. And while the fuel source is free, uh, you know, the sunshine or the wind, that's great, but you, they're intermittent. You can't, you can't count on them as a resource. And so they, they really don't provide much capacity value to the system. And so you're seeing utilities now, um, with with the grid operations be be concerned as in the peak times as you mentioned when customers are demanding electricity you know it it's it's hard for them to count on the generation and and so that does provide provide stress to the grid that's why there's this this focus on demand response and what what customers you can you can count reliably count on to shed you know, to turn off their use of electricity when mm-hmm when you might require that. 
So, and I, I think you've seen Bitcoin mining already play that role in preventing um, blackouts and brownouts and specifically in Texas, but um, I'm sure it's it's happened to a lesser degree in other other states as well. Um, so, so having Bitcoin mining on the system initially and having generation up and running to, to supply that, that load, but then having the Bitcoin mining able to disappear at a moment's notice really provides that, that extra reliability to the system. Um, that might be even more critical in winter storms where it can take a while to spin up. You know, you might have the capacity, but it might not be operating, you know, uh, online. But then um, if the Bitcoin mining was already there, it would be, it would be operating. And then again, it comes, it comes, it always comes back to Bitcoin mining, being able to, to shut off and, and disappear from the system, you know, almost immediately yeah. uh, within, within a matter of minutes, if not seconds. And so that really provides the stability to the system. And, and you mentioned, you mentioned almost being a necessity at that point or at this point. And, and I'd, I'd agree. I think that, um, that uh utilities as they recognize bitcoin mining as this unique this unique type of customer unique technology they're going to i mean they, they recognize the need of demand response mm -hmm. so when then then if you just take it one step further and say okay well what is the best type of customer for demand response mm. well then you know that's when you say well then bitcoin mining is is a necessity at this point and I think, you know, if you, if you, if you're going to scale the grid of the future focused on people's thermostats and when they can charge their electric car and when they can't, um, that's going to come with a lot of other issues because you do have that, that other, that, that human being, that customer on the other end of the electricity use. And whereas with Bitcoin mining, you don't. And so I think that, uh, you know, cause Usually once a summer, you see of some customers that enrolled in a thermostat program, a demand response program that are really frustrated because at the hottest time of the year or the coldest time of the year, the utility, you know, adjusted their thermostat and they weren't, you know, they're, they're never happy about it when, you know, when you actually utilize them as a great resource, Bitcoin mining is, is much different in that respect. And so that's, that's kind of where I take it to a, a necessity at this point. Especially yeah. if you don't want customers complaining. Yeah, no, that's a great framing that Bitcoin mining is like the ideal customer, right? Just just buy it whenever yeah. it can be bought. And if you can't sell it to me, great, I'll turn off and go away. And um, very, very interesting framing. Um, okay, well, I think we covered a lot of ground. This is really good stuff. Appreciate you doing this. Justin, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Robert. Great conversation. Uh, really appreciate the the time on the show. Uh, I am on Twitter, jorkney5, um, and and that's that's pretty much it. You know, I, I I'm part of you know I I do go to Bitcoin mining conferences, Bitcoin conferences. I think it's important to to get out in the community in that regard. So you may you may run into me if you find yourself uh, at a at a Bitcoin conference or mining conference, but. Otherwise, just focused on on the job. So awesome, very cool. Yeah, and I guess it's worth mentioning. This is a huge. Well, it's a burgeoning industry, right? Bitcoin mining, as we've described, it's flexible. It can go anywhere. So if you're looking to make that transition from fiat world to Bitcoin world, this is a a good one, good opportunity. Bitcoin mining. So um, thanks again. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks, Robert.